welcome back to Grit I'm Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters and the resident moose himself, Mo Nuwara. After a four and one week three, we are currently eight, six, and one in the Las Vegas Super Contest, tied for 700. And 75th place. That's right, boys and girls. We are in the top 25 percentile. A nice bounce back week. No member of the collective did worse than three and two in their own personal top five. Donnie and myself going four and one, and Mo and Brett going three and two. One thing I want to note though, and let's jump right into this. Donnie, you have been so wrong at every turn about your own. New England Patriots. You are 0-3 picking Patriots games. You keep flip-flopping. And then they go out and they get smashed by the Detroit Lions on Sunday Night Football. DP, is the dynasty finally over? Yeah, the dynasty's over. Wow. Done. Done. You heard it here. Wow. September 25th, 2018, Donnie Peters says, the Patriots dynasty is over. I mean, what are they going to do to turn it around? I don't know. Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, Bill Belichick scheming seems to always work. Julian Edelman. Yeah, everyone thinks Julian Edelman is going to come back and solve this problem. The guy was on steroids before and now is not going to be able to be on them. So he's not going to be the same guy. Plus, he's coming off a torn ACL. Don't think that's going to be the same Julian Edelman we've always seen. Wow. On the other side of me, the other co-host that is joining me, we have the 3-0 and Kansas City Chefs with Canton Patrick Mahomes, who is on pace to throw. And at some point, these on pace stats are going to start feeling real because next week we'll be a quarter into the season. He's on pace to throw a very nice 69 touchdowns this season. Mo, what's it like? What What is the atmosphere right now in Omaha and the surrounding areas around Kansas City? Well, that's what I was going to say when you were talking about Dynasty being over. I mean, it, the reason it's over is because the Patriots would be plus 10 against the Chiefs. <laughs> neutral? Plus 10 neutral? Um, yeah, it's... Man, this this Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl is going to be sick. <laughs> so many points going to be scored. All right, before we get into the football, we teased some very exciting big news a few weeks ago but unfortunately we were held up by lawyers of all people us our our little podcast here that is powered by the love of our community we would get stuck up by lawyers what what a time to be alive welcome to 2018 but now we can announce that we are joining the roto grinders family specifically sharpside.com which is dp's new venture and if you guys don't know, SharpSide.com is the home of sports betting community with content, leaderboards, promotions, and contests to cater to sports bettors who are looking to have a fun and profitable betting experience. If you guys love any of the Roto Grinders content or community building that they've done, uh, Pocket Fives is also in the family. We all come from a poker background, and they've done a great job of community building. We are super excited to be in the RG family. And DP, you are the maestro of all of this, so I'm going to kick it to you for a little bit more. Tell the people what your role is and uh, what this really means. 
Yeah, so uh, I'm heading up uh, sharpside.com as the operations manager. I know a lot of people saw that. I was also announced as the marketing manager. Sorry, marketing manager. My, that's my old role. Uh, <laughs> managing editor for pocketfives.com. So I'm going to be doing um, a little bit of a joint role, splitting time between the two sites. But the, the majority of the focus is going to go towards sharpside.com, uh, building that up to be you know the home of the sports betting community, as you mentioned, Rich. Uh, it's all about... The, the community aspect under the whole uh, RG brand. So we're going to try and take that same sort of uh, idea that that worked extremely well with Roto Grinders, that works also extremely well with Pocket Fives, apply that to the sports betting world and uh, take it from you are going to be able to see a lot of really cool content on sharpside.com. Uh, we're coming out with an app that we just launched the beta version of the app today. It's called Plus 110. It's eventually going to be rebranded to SharpSide, but we're in Apple review phase right now, and who knows how long that's going to take. Um, there's a lot of big backlog with a lot of uh, a lot of people in the sports betting world trying to get their apps out there. So um, that app is free, uh, but you can make your picks. You can check advice from people. I know Rich has been dropping my advice nuggets in our chat just to show how bad I am when I'm picking the Patriots and stuff like that. So uh, you can certainly fade my advice if you want to. Um, you can make p picks on bets, over-unders, uh, props, all, all different kinds of stuff is in there. Again, it's all free to use. Very nice, intuitive interface where you just pretty much swipe right or left when you're picking things. And we're going to be running some contests. I know a lot of people have... Uh, a lot of our listeners have reached out to us asking about the contest, the raffle that we've done in the past. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of those this year uh, with SharpSide.com and the SharpSide app, which is currently the Plus 110 beta app. So download that, get it on your phone, start picking, and you'll be able to win some really cool stuff uh, this week. Uh, there's a bunch of money up for grabs in FanDuel credit, so uh, check that out. Very excited to have the support of Cal Spears and company. Hopefully more people will be listening to us. If you're if this is the first time you're hearing us because of the new distribution, welcome. Hope you enjoy yourself. And if you're a regular, don't don't be one of those, you know, hipster fans when the band gets popular and you I knew them when they were such and such and you stop listening. We still need the love of everybody that is listening as we go forward. So thank you all for your support and helping us get to where we are. And let's uh let's keep this train rolling. Specifically with our picks after a very downtrodden week two, the chat was, we were buoyant, simply buoyant on Sunday. A lot of W's, and let's get into the games themselves. We will start with one of our money bet W's, and that was the Washington Racial Slurs hosting the Green Bay Packers. The Racial Slurs did win this one outright. We did not need the two and a half. 31 17 was the final, and it never felt like this one was in doubt. Really gutty performance from Aaron Rodgers. The racial slurs really seemed like they allowed him to run a little bit. They played pretty much off the line of scrimmage. They made sure that if anyone's going to beat us, let's make Rodgers run. They also were really soft against the run. On purpose, rule of Mo, the Packers are probably at their worst when they can run the ball efficiently. So the Redskins, uh, the racial slurs basically said, we're going to go into max coverage every single play, and either Aaron Rodgers or somebody is going to have to run against us. And it worked pretty perfectly in this game. The Packers get six yards per carry, but it doesn't matter as uh, the GOAT himself has 44 attempts and only 
ekes out 265 yards. Mo, you were really excited when we put this on the card on Sunday, and I feel like we didn't have to sweat a single second of this contest. No, I think they jumped out like 17-0 or something. Uh, What did I say on the pod? Wrong team favored. Yeah. I said wrong team favored. I knew this line was idiotic. Uh, Sure enough, Packers massively overvalued after, as I said, not even really earning that draw against the Vikings, being outplayed there, and Redskins, you know, slurs, they they had a bad week, but they probably should have gotten a better result against the Colts. I mean, that game, the score didn't indicate. That was just two games where the score didn't indicate what actually happened on the field, and so it just resulted in um, a mispriced line here. DP, what are we thinking about the Packers moving forward? Are we trusting Aaron Rodgers and his health? This week specifically, just to not to ask you to cap the game or discuss Packers' bills or anything, but it seems like this Packers team should be in a good spot. They are double-digit favorites, but looking at the offensive performance on Sunday, can we trust this Packers team? Can we trust Aaron Rodgers? I mean, it's going to be hard to trust them. I I think we're going to find out something is seriously wrong with Aaron Rodgers' knee much later in the season or after the season's over. You know, like, I don't know, something really bad that a lot of people wouldn't play with that he's playing through. It just seems that way, unless he's just putting on a show and and limping around. But I don't think he's doing that. Um, I think that in terms of what we're going to be looking for uh, with this Packers team, I think we're going to just have to find spots where they're both undervalued and overvalued and take advantage of those spots. Um, you know, I feel like we can kind of go either way on a week to week basis. Uh, this was a spot last week against the the Redskins here where we thought that they were overvalued and we took advantage of that. We got to find similar spots where they're going to be either getting uh, too many points and we can pounce on that or they're going to be, you know, giving up way too many points and we can pounce on that. So it's going to kind of be a week to week basis, at least for me. Um, and you know, going forward, just really got to watch what this injury is going to do. It seemed like towards the end of that game, Rich, as you mentioned, you know, opening up this little segment here on this game is that, uh, they let Aaron Rodgers run and towards the end, he looked like he was kind of hobbling more and more and more. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how watch that throughout this week, leading up into this weekend, and then going forward to see how one, he plays in games, if he's going to be running as much as he did, if other teams are going to scheme it, uh, similar to how the Redskins did. And, you know, coming out of those games, just how his health is overall. And if we can take advantage of that one way or the other. This Washington team is talented and on both sides of the ball. And I do appreciate their coaching. I think they've done a good job this year. And I've always liked Gruden as an offensive coach. So it'll be interesting to see how they continue to battle in that NFC East. But yeah, that's a great point about, about this Packers side. Maybe try to avoid them in spots where the line is fairly accurate, but whenever we see value swinging in either direction, that's when maybe they're a bet on or a fade. Rodgers finishes the game with a QBR of 40.4, which is dismal. And from a player evaluation standpoint, it was good to see Aaron Jones come back and play well. Uh, I, I think the majority of us are fans of Jones as the best back in that game. Mo talked about a weird box score with the Colts. Let's talk about this week's Colts game, our only loss 
Eagles minus six and a half. They did win outright, but only 20 to 16. And this was another weird box score, Mo. The, this is incredible. The Indianapolis Colts keep this close somehow, only averaging 3.7 yards per play. And the luck injury, the lack of arm strength, becomes totally apparent on the final play of the game when he gets benched for Jacoby Brissett to throw a 50-yard Hail Mary. It wasn't like they were on the 20 or the 30 and really needed to launch the ball. We're talking about a ball that traveled 55 yards in the air, and if Luck can't make that throw, then what are we really doing here? Mo, this was this was a weird one. Every indicator says the Eagles should have crushed, but the Colts kept this one close somehow, again. Yeah, I feel like we were fine here. Um, at first, like watching this game, I was like, man, shit, you know, bad read, whatever. We missed this one. But then like looking at the final stats, I mean, I feel like we were fine. Eagles just blew their own dicks off. I mean, 209 total yards for the Colts, but Eagles 110 yards in penalties and two uh, turnovers. So... Uh, yeah, I feel like two to one in first downs too, almost. I, I feel like if they played this out again, uh, we would be fine taking, I, I would just be totally fine clicking on Eagles minus six and a half again. And that's kind of the test I always use in my mind is like, what would the line be tomorrow? You know? So I think, uh, we were okay here. Just a little unlucky. Two to one on first downs, two to one on time of possession. The Eagles had the ball for 40 minutes and 20 seconds. The Colts had the ball for 19 minutes and 40 seconds. Absolute insanity. We talked about the injured Aaron Rodgers DP, two injured quarterbacks in this game. You've got you've got Luck, who, weirdly enough, on short passes, feels like he's zinging it in there, but I guess pushing the ball downfield, maybe that uses the shoulder more. I don't know. I'm talking out of ignorance. And then on the other side, one of the reasons I truly believe we didn't cover in this game is that Carson Wentz didn't really look like the Carson Wentz that I was being sold on last year. Two injured quarterbacks, DP. Uh, another interesting one. What kind of takeaways do you have from, th- from this contest? My takeaway here is that the Eagles just weren't ready, largely with Carson Wentz. I think that he just needs to get his game legs under him and you know his mind right and see the field in an actual you know real football setting. It's it's one. Th- I mean, he didn't even play in the preseason, but it's one thing to do it in the preseason for a lot of these guys and then uh, get into that game setting. I think you're seeing a lot of that with Deshaun Watson. You're even seeing that with Andrew Luck, as we discussed here. Uh, with Carson Wentz, I think that it's he's only going to kind of get better with time. I, I you know I I want to believe in his skill set and he's going to be much more like the player that we saw last year. Uh, looking in the immediate picture, I, I'm. I want to say I'm going to love the Eagles against the Titans this week because I don't think the Titans are good at all. But, you know, we'll see where that line comes out on Wednesday and, and go from there. This was the only lone wolf victory of the week. DP had the Colts. The collective went one and five in lone wolf selections, which is normally good because that means majority picks were excellent. We went three and one in consensus picks. So if you add those up, eight and two last week when three or more members of the collective were on a side. This next game was a lone wolf selection that did not go the way of DP, and it was the ugliest game on the slate, and I think the one that we can spend the least time talking about. It was the Tennessee Titans catching nine and a half points, and they only scored nine, but it was good enough for not only the cover, but the outright win as the Jacksonville Jaguars only found a way to score six points DP, 
this game we can just put in a canister, light it on fire, you know, one of those Norse wedding, uh, Norse funerals, and just send it into the river. Never, never again. Like they should remove the all twenty-two, everything from NFL Game Pass. You should never be allowed to watch this game ever again. I mean, I, I was trying to watch that game, and I just couldn't. It was so unbelievably boring. It, it, every time I looked up, the other team just had the ball, and, and it seemed like they had the ball between the two forties, and no one was moving anywhere. It was, it was just a really bad game overall. At, at least when when Mariota got in after Gabbert got hurt, he was running, and, and he made it look like the Tennessees were moving a little bit. But then they would always stall and kick field goals, and yeah, this just ended up being a really, really bad game overall. Mo, 34 attempts, 155 yards for Blake Bortles. If you're Nathaniel Hackett and you watch that Patriots film again and you see how successful the, the Jags offense was, why aren't we just replicating that every week? How can coaches be this bad, Mo? I mean, the Titans do have a better defense that's than fair. the Pats, that's for sure. That's fair. I don't know what Donnie's sitting there talking about. The Titans are bad. They're fine. This defense is all right. Like Brett was saying, like this is an underrated defense. This there's a couple underrated defenses because we didn't really get too much into it. But you were saying, Rich, in that Eagles game, the Colts defense looks fine. Like on paper, they look fucking terrible. But like when you watch them with two eyes, they look fine. And statistically, they haven't been bad. I don't think. And um. This Titans team also looks fine on defense. So, I mean, I think that's something to monitor going forward when you're like doing your capping because I don't think anyone's really giving these teams credit for being decent defenses. Yeah, the Titans did a good job of kind of picking up pieces that fell from other teams. They Their two cornerbacks are former Patriots and Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler. Kenny Vaccaro, who kind of fell from grace from New Orleans, they scooped him up and stuck him in the secondary. So they've kind of done a really good job of getting all these pieces that seemingly lost all of their value and brought them together in Tennessee and have played well as a unit. Offensively, though, this team is just going to be very interesting with the Blaine Gabbert concussion and him in the protocol. Marcus Mariota seems to still not have feeling in his hand but yet he still comes in and goes 12 of 18. Granted, he only had 5.6 yards per attempt, and all those attempts were very close to the line of scrimmage, and he did break the pocket seven times to run for 51 yards, so a very constrained Titans offense. But they're not going to be able to really do anything on the attack unless their quarterback either is cleared from the concussion protocol or can feel his damn hand. So definitely a team to monitor. Uh, and for the Jags, this the Jags feel like a team, just kind of like how Donnie was talking about the Packers later. There's going to be clear spots where they're a bet-on team, and then there's going to be clear spots when they're a fade team. And anytime they're big favorites at home, I think they're going to remain a fade. Final game of the 1 o'clock hour, and this was DP selection. We kind of left the podcast scratching our heads a little bit that he was so confident in laying the five and a half points with the Baltimore Ravens against the Denver Broncos. And the Broncos score immediately thanks to special teams blunders. But DP, we get the win. We get the cover. Talk about your thoughts on this game. I mean, it was a slow start. It was somewhat worrisome at the at the beginning. But, you know, unlike Mo, I tend not to freak out in the first quarter. 
um, you know, that, 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 uh, blocked punt did, did, didn't have things looking too well, but I mean, listen, case Keenum is, he's just going to be case Keenum. He, he caught lightning in a bottle last year with a really, really good team in the Vikings. You know, a lot of really good pieces around him, really good coaching, a really good defense on the other side of the ball to carry him when he did have bad games. Um, but you know, this year with the Broncos, he, he just doesn't have that, um, you know, Outside of Manuel Sanders, Manny Sanders, I, I don't really see what that team has. I mean, I know Demarius Thomas is talented, but um, as we know, oftentimes on this podcast, he's pretty soft. Um, Phil Lindsay got kicked out of the game, so he couldn't even help uh, Case Keenum when he needed to. And then the defense is not the old defense uh, that everyone seems to still want to think that the Denver Broncos are. And just playing on the road in in Baltimore with with a, a good defense, a you know an experienced quarterback who can get the job done. I mean, he's not. Flacco's not elite uh, by any means, but he's, you know, he's serviceable. He's not bad. He can get the job done. And you know, I feel like the Ravens, you know, they don't lack like the super flashy talent, but they're just a pretty good team. And then, and then also we talked about it on the podcast is that the coaching mismatch here. I mean, Vance Joseph just, he can't match up with Harbaugh at all. So I, I just, I really like this spot. I know that the number was a bit weird, but you know, overall we got the cover and this is pretty much how I expected it to to go with, with the Ravens winning pretty big at the end. Neither team was able to muster more than five yards a play, 4.8 for the Broncos, 4.9 for the Ravens. 120 yards in penalties on Denver certainly helped us. That Philip Lindsay punch and subsequent ejection included. And yeah, Case Keenum, man, 34 attempts, 192 yards and an interception. Manny Sanders, nine targets can only catch five of them for 38 yards. This Denver offense, when they're on the road, they're going to be a team to fade. When they're at home, very interesting Monday night game coming up against your Kansas City Chefs, Mo. I think they're going to end up being a little more interesting. And this Ravens team, despite getting the victory by 13 points, Mo, I was not impressed by like a single second of football in here. I think the Ravens are definitely going to be a team that we can find some really good spots against moving forward. Their offense is terrible. I mean, on paper, their offense was so bad. I mean, they were really, really bad coming in uh, last year, coming off. But, you know, their offensive line, much healthier. When they have Marshall Yanda, definitely uh, a game changer for them. He was injured, like, basically all of last year, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I want to give Donnie credit, but, you know, only about a thousand of his closest friends also had the uh, <laughs> the Ravens in the contest, too. So. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that, really, though. I, I didn't think that a lot of people would be on the Ravens. They were, if you looked at the spread.com, they were, uh, the public was on the Broncos here. Yep, Broncos were a slight public dog, but the Ravens ended up being the third most popular selection in the Super Contest with 24.5% of the entries clicking on Baltimore. Let's get to the 4 o'clock hour and our final cover of the day. We nearly had a third dog win outright, but unfortunately for the Arizona Cardinals faithful, they could not strike a comeback with rookie quarterback Josh Rosen, but the 16-14 final between the Bears and the Cardinals was good enough for us as we were catching six points with the Redbirds. Uh, Talk about dreadful quarterback play. I feel like there was... I I feel like we watched, out of all the great games, or out of the handful of great games on Sunday, we were subjected to the worst quarterback play on the slate. Mitchell Trubisky... How on brand. 
Mitchell is that? <laughs> Mitchell, even the opponents, though. Mitchell Trubisky, just a, a horrifying 35 attempts, 220 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, only to be outdone by Sam Bradford, who on his completions was fine, but threw two really bad head scratchers. And Josh Rosen came in, looked okay, but got hit and threw interception to to end the game. The the positive note here for the Cardinals was finally getting David Johnson involved in the passing game. He was targeted four times, caught all four of them for 30 yards and a touchdown, but the ground game still totally stuffed up front. 12 rush attempts for only 31 yards for the all-world running back. On the other side of the ball, they couldn't get anything going either. On the ground, Jordan Howard, 24 carries for 61 yards. Mo, we kept saying that this Cardinals team has defenders. We believe in guys like Buda Baker, Josh Bynes, Trey Boston. Like These are real NFL players, Chandler Jones. And they showed up, Mo. They played a really good game on Sunday. Yeah, this is this is I knew this line was completely idiotic. I mean, four turnovers and they still probably should have won the game. Um Arizona's offense is about as bad as it gets. The the running thing is a little baffling because when you look at this line on paper, like this should be a pretty good run blocking unit with guys like Mikey Apati on there. So I, I don't know what's going on there. But uh, as far as the passing game goes, which is, as we know, all that really matters, uh, you you won't find really a worse passing offense than uh, the Cardinals. I mean, it might be a little bit heartening that they got Christian Kirk involved. Um, I'm not sure if Larry Fitzgerald is just like, he's there, he hit the wall, and it's time for him to walk away, or if this offense is just so bad that he just can't do anything. Yeah, I want to say it's the latter. Larry's one of those guys where I'm going to believe in it until it ends, as stubborn as that may sound. And I do think that Josh Rosen is going to be a shot in the arm for this offense because like Baker to Tyrod, there's going to be some bumps. But Josh is going to throw into windows that I think Sam Bradford would defer from throwing into. And yeah, there's going to be some rough patches, but at the end of the day, you're going to drive more opportunity when you're a little bit more aggressive. And I think the Cardinals are going to be a bit of a bet on team during the initial Josh Rosen phase, because I think their offense will just look remarkably better in the next couple of games. DP, this is a big game for you. You have a Bears over ticket in your pocket. Another multi-sack game from Khalil Mack. You escaped with a victory. Do you feel like this is your even now after that Packers blunder in week one? Yeah, I feel like I'm even, but I also feel like I escaped a heart attack with Josh Rosen at the end of that game because thank God that guy went off sides because he tried yeah. to do it to us. Yeah, we, we, tried. Didn't, we didn't talk about the, the phantom. Uh, it wasn't a phantom offsides, but the offsides call on Khalil Mack on the pick six that would have absolutely moosed us. I would be the only thing we had to fade was a pick six. I would still we be in a bad it. mood right now if that had if that had actually occurred. I feel like, I feel like we've had a bunch of these the last few years, and we haven't had one yet this year. And uh, man, I'm waiting for it. Remember <laughs> Derrick Henry just galloping up the sideline? What line? was that? 
Although I will God. say, watching the Steelers last night and seeing, I think Mike Tomlin is 13-2 and two on Monday Night Football with the Steelers gave me memories of one of the best wins we ever had. Steelers, Chargers, Monday Night Football. I forget if we were uh, at a pick'em. That feels about right. And for some reason, the Steelers went for two. Uh <laughs> with Le'Veon Bell like in the Wildcat and they scored a two-point conversion which was super aggro and gave us the win in the cover. I distinctly remember that. So we've definitely caught some good breaks as well. But 4 and 1, and this was a really good week to do and any week is a good week to go 4 and 1. The rest of the contest was 2.7. That was the average points scored this past weekend. 149 entries were a perfect 4 and 0. And 643 fellow entries were 4 and 1. And like I said at the top, we are in the top 25% of the contest. There are five entrants tied for first. Uh, Toof Doc, Straight Outta Durango, Shaboom, Finally 2019. And then one gentleman whose name on here is BB Music Factory. Don't know if that's Bill Belichick or BB King. Not sure what the reference is, but it's Jason McIntyre. You've probably seen him on the Cal- the Colin Cowherd show. He's a Fox guy. And let's just say that if he's T1 right now, I got a good feeling that we can poise a comeback in this contest. Got a good feeling. DP, anything that you saw while surveying either contest, Super Contest or Super Contest Gold, do you want to share with the people? No, nothing too much. I mean, it's still pretty early. It's only three weeks in, but I, I do think it's worth pointing out that, um, so, well, two things. One, finally 2019, he was the only person to maintain the top spot after last week. He was tied with uh, two other people after week two, Rick D and H2O Boy. Um, both of them fell uh, to a tie for 10th place after going three and two. In week two, finally 2019 went four and one, so he stays tied up at the top. Uh, but Something to look out for next week is that it's the uh, the wrap-up of the first mini contest, the first quarter bonus contest. So $50,000 prize up for grabs for that, um, the best record over the first four weeks. So uh, we'll be able to have at least some uh, a smaller winner. You know, it's not the $1.4 million top prize, but uh, it, is, it is a good chunk of cash uh, coming back. And if anyone's tied for that, they split it evenly. So right now, if it were to end, these five guys would uh, would split it evenly. But we'll see how that fleshes out over this next week after week four. Finally, 2019 with some sharp selections. He, too, was on the racial slurs and the Cardinals. He had the Steelers last night, minus one. We told you guys. We told you guys the Fitz Powder keg was primed to blow. He also had the Giants plus six and a half. Brett's going to have to answer for his sins on Friday. His only loser was Oakland plus three. That feels like it was too sharp for her own good, fading everybody that had the Dolphins minus three. They were popular. They were the seventh most popular pick, but unfortunately he couldn't get the fade in. Speaking of that consensus, top five went three and two this week. The top three all covered Saints plus three, Hawks minus two, and the aforementioned Ravens minus five and a half. The only two failed covers were Niners plus six and a half and Patriots minus seven. The Niners, of course, suffering that massive injury with Jimmy Garoppolo, torn ACL, out for the season. Mo, 
you were watching that game, resident Chefs fan. Do you think the Niners had any backdoor chances before Jimmy G blew out his knee? Oh, they had a chance, but man, they were like kicking field goals and shit late in the game, and it was pissing me off. Shanahan, fake good? Fake math? Come on, guys. Like, wake up, NFL coaches. When are these guys going to realize? You're down heaps. Just fuck a field goal. You got to <laughs> just play high-variance football. Yeah, but I think they, they, they need the backing of, like, the owners and uh, sometimes the GMs where they don't get fired after three weeks of playing high-variance football and correct math football. You know, there's there's too often times that you see these coaches who are younger coaches, you know, maybe only one or two years of the team that that get fired really early because they took more aggressive lines or they aren't winning or stuff like that. So they always revert back to the safer play. The safer play there is to kick the field goal because that's what everyone knows when in reality that's not the, the right play. And then, like, you look at a guy like McVay, and this is why I can't fade this guy, and I keep fading him, and I keep getting my money taken from me two of the last three weeks is because this dude is doing shit that nobody else is doing. He's so far ahead of these other clowns. He's maximizing every edge. He's playing high variance, high value math ball. And he's just running laps around the field right now. Like if you flip the coaching staffs in that last game, uh, the Chargers would probably have won. Let's put a pin in the Rams really quick. I want to give you some props, Mo. If you had your own card, if your top five selections every week were actually in the contest, you would be drawing live for this four-week stretch contest because you would be tied for 34th at 11-4. and four. Mo, I'll give you the platform to talk that shit, fam. Say what you got to say. 73% winner so far. I feel good. I've been winning my bets. Even last week when we as a collective did shitty, I had a slightly winning week. Um, and I feel like all the effort I'm putting in, I told you guys I'm spending heaps. I'm making notes every game. I'm pouring over everything every week, um, making sure uh, that I'm putting in my due diligence every week. And I feel like it's paying off. Uh, you know, not to say that I was just like fucking off in the past, but. Um, I feel like I'm maybe putting in that those extra couple reps on the bench, you and, know? And the most Im- important thing that I think Mo is doing is, so Mo, last two weeks, he goes, in all 16 games, he goes 6-10 and 10 and 7-9. and nine. But when it comes to the actual games he's going to put units on, when it comes to the actual games he's going to submit to our card, you're doing a really good job of distinguishing what to bet on and what you have to pick just for our process, which I think is probably the toughest part in all of this. Yeah, especially uh, the last couple of weeks, just seeing the highest value plays. Um, man, like the two that really stood out to me this week, my top two by a mile were Cards and Titans, and those were, I feel like, pretty... Like have having seen the the results and and whatnot, just you know, those were two of the highest value sides of the week. I feel like, um, I mean, I know the cards didn't win the game, but they spent most of the game winning as six point dogs, and then obviously the Titans get the the W. 
plus nine and a half. I was really surprised that that game actually opened plus nine and a half. But, uh, you know, we'll... Looking at some overall trends, home dogs so far this season are eight and four against the spread, three and one the last two weeks. Underdogs alone are 25, 19 and one, so winning at a 56 and a third percent clip. And then home teams, 10 and six last week against the spread and 26 and 21 so far at a 55% split. In terms of teams that are on fire, the Browns are favorites. The Cleveland Browns are 3-0 against the spread, as are the aforementioned Los Angeles Rams because they just continue to rape and pillage. The Broncos have failed to cover a game. They're 0-2-1, getting a push in week one, and the only other team to not cover so far in the Super Contest, the Houston Texans, they are 0-3. Let's go back to that Rams-Vikings game because I don't know if we'll talk about it again because of TNF rules, but this is a game that as soon as the line went live on Pinnacle, my ears perked up. The hair on the back of my neck stood up because it is currently minus six and a half in favor of the Rams. Looks like there's no movement on Pinnacle. It's minus 104, minus 106 on the dog and the favorite, respectively. But there seems like a really good chance that the Rams will be without both Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. Mo, without those two guys, neutral field, wouldn't the Vikings be slight favorites? Am I crazy? Yeah, I mean, don't you have to bet the Vikings here? This is, uh, here we go again for me. <laughs> 0-2 fading McVay, and I'm going to have to do it again. I mean, but. these guys are so crucial to, they'd be crucial to any defense, but the style of defense that Wade Phillips plays, that funnel defense, let the cornerbacks take away the boundaries, and then Bring force all the heat. Yeah, and then force everything inside. These guys are crucial to that type of strategy. I keep to leave out at least a month, it sounds like. He may need surgery. And they're calling Marcus Peters day to day. But that seemed like a really tough calf injury. And with three days of rest, I am would be shocked to see him on a professional football field on Thursday. Especially given the Rams are off to a three and start. And the Vikings have stumbled out of the gate. This could come down to a big tiebreaker between these two teams at the end of the year. But honestly, the Vikings have a much tougher schedule than the Rams moving forward. And like I said, the Rams are already off to a fast start. DP, you are, I, I put in the chat, should we break the TNF rules? And you, you slammed on the emergency break immediately. You said, wager on the game if you like, but let's fade it for the Super Contest. Yeah, I just hate having to submit everything early and avoid that Friday. You know, I mean, you get that that those injury reports that come in at the end of the week, and they really affect a lot of things that are going forward. Um, I mean, there there's some notable quarterbacks hurt. We still, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is likely going to play, but you know, who knows about his thing? You know, it could change. Uh, Marcus Mariota, another one. It's just, you know, I just feel like there's too much risk there. Um, but I mean, this feels like it feels like a slam dunk for the Vikings. So we'll see how it goes. I just went to the spread, guys. 63% on 
the Rams here on Tuesday morning. They are the seventh most popular play so far, according to the spread. <laughs> Come on. McVeigh, he's just crushing everybody. But, man, yeah, this is a really good spot for the Vikings, obviously coming off of, <laughs> you want to talk about stock low. Yeah. Couldn't be any lower getting wiped out by the Bills <laughs> at home. When everybody, everybody had the Vikings on their parlay cards, on their survivor pool. They picked them up in DFS for defense. Every human that casually wagers on football had some piece of Minnesota winning outright on Sunday, and they were obliterated by a bad Buffalo team. Congratulations to Brett. I'm sad he's not here to celebrate. The Bills make me wanna that was confusing and exciting and fun all at the same time. Josh Allen, DP, does Josh Allen might have a pulse. You might have been right. I think Josh Allen has a pulse. The, the, the rest of the team around him, not so sure if their heart is beating at all. Um, but Josh Allen looks like, you know, he looks like he's got a pulse. He certainly looks like he wears his heart on the sleeve with the way he runs around out there like a madman, which can be a little bit scary because that's how quarterbacks tend to get hurt. I mean, that's how Carson Wentz got himself hurt last year. So we'll see if, you know, Wentz is still doing kind of that crazy Mike Vick diving to the end zone, you know, jumping over people in the middle of the field. I mean, that's how a quarterback is going to get absolutely drilled by a defender in today's NFL. So we'll see if he tones it down a little bit. But it's exciting to watch, that's for sure. I heard my favorite Josh Allen comp this weekend. Kill him! He is Cam. He is white Cam. Big guy. Big arm inaccurate, athletic. I mean, that jump over Anthony Barr. Teamed up with Kelvin Benjamin. Teamed up with KVLBGM. Like, that jump over Anthony Barr, that is not something that quarterbacks should be able to do. That was insane. It's not something quarterbacks should do. They should (laughs) maybe pull him aside, like I said, and and be like, listen. Josh Allen's like 6'5", right? Like, he's not a little dude that can kind of get a low center of gravity and explode. Yeah, he's 6'5", 240, and he jumped over Anthony Barr. It's funny. I watched Josh Allen before any of you. Why? Because he shredded the Huskers. (laughs) I think he was a sophomore or something. Um. Yeah. Yeah. He. 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 The Huskers were so bad that he brought Wyoming in and gave Nebraska a mild scare at home, and uh, he had quite a nice game for himself. And he looked really good. And definitely, that was when the hype started building on him as a future pro. So heart of a cowboy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We will likely not have the Minnesota Vikings on our card because of TNF rules. For those of you that that don't know, and Donnie alluded to it, if you select the Thursday night game in the Super Contest, you have to submit all five of your games, which makes you screwed if there's a massive injury on Friday or an announcement on Saturday that you just completely miss out on, the line moves, and you're foobar. But (laughs) I strongly suggest that you look into the Minnesota Vikings plus six and a half because this line feels like it's three points off. Well, we don't take the free points anyway, so. Yeah. That is right. And that's the show. That's the recap. Very exciting. Four and one. Back to where we should be. Uh, 
as we mentioned earlier, go check out sharpside.com. That is going to be the new home of Gridiron Gamble. Looking forward to providing them content and getting our content to new people. Again, welcome if you are new to this. Hope you enjoy sweating us throughout the season. Follow these guys on Twitter, at Donnie underscore Peters and at Mo Nuwara, N-U-W-W-A-R-A-H. I'm at Rich T. Ryan. Enjoy the rest of your week. Good luck with waiver pickups and such. And we will see you on Friday when we make our week four super contest selections. Until then, peace. Out.